Rocky, the California sun beating down. Yeah, see the pretty roses sprout from the ground. Hear voices whisper through the mission walls Louder than all the kids and the parents' cell phone calls If you stop to listen You can hear their hearts beating loud Can't keep those California Indians down Welcome to the American Indian Airways. This hour, we're going to talk about a very significant aspect of Native American reality and also the Anglo-American community, the rest of the United States. We're going to have a conversation with Dr. Schindler, MD, talking about her book, Flying Horse, Stories of Healing and the Soul Wound. Since we just had the impeachment process, And talking about many Republicans about healing, that approach from a Native point of view and our discussion with Dr. Schindler as far as healing and the stories of the soul wound of the indigenous populations, I thought it was appropriate in order to have that discussion. And then in turn, we'll go into our musical component of the America Indian Airways, we want to share it with you so you can contemplate on what Dr. Schindler talks about in this interview that I had with her. So enjoy the program. You're listening to the American Indian Airways, Santa Barbara edition. Now let's continue the discussion and go to the discussion with Dr. Schindler, MD, the story of healing and the soul wound of indigenous communities. Can't keep those California Indians down. They're tough and resilient and holding their ground. Can't keep those California Indians down. From wind to the weird, they are still standing proud. Well, let's start in the very beginning. What is healing and what does that mean to you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a doctor. I've been a doctor for a long, long time. And so to me, healing means helping someone with their pain and suffering to help them feel better inside themselves, in their heart, their mind, their body, and also in their relationship to their family, their community, and to the rest of the world. And within that, Donna, I know within your book, which I read, and I I think it's extraordinarily interesting and, and mind-expanding book as far as your story and also the story of Indigenous peoples and their stories. You talk about historical trauma for Indigenous people. Please give our, our viewers a little bit of sense what that means. Okay. Well, it's, it's actually a term that a lot of people have heard especially if you live in cities or bigger towns and stuff. 
but um, it's it's not something many Native people have heard who live out on reservations. So most of the people, I always ask my patients, do you know about historical trauma? And maybe now two or three in the last 20 years have said yes on the Navajo Nation. Now in California, it's a little different maybe, but still in California, many people, I I worked in a native clinic for 16 years in Northern California. And I, again, always ask them, do you know about this? They always said no. So if if you're a psychologist or a social worker or mental health person, practitioner, and you're a Native American, in Native American um, work, then you definitely know about it, but most people don't. So starting from the very beginning, what it means is that for Native people all throughout the United States and Indigenous people throughout much of the world, they've suffered a huge amount of trauma, you know, through colonization, assimilation, um, these sorts of things. And there ha- a lot. There hasn't been much healing done. Um, so, for instance, most of my work is with the Navajo, and for them, they went on the forced long walk in the 1860s, and they had to leave their homeland and leave their, you know, they lost, they lost their homeland. A lot of people died, and they suffered a great amount. Well, so for them, historical trauma has to do with the long walk. It also has to do with boarding schools and uh, forced livestock reduction. All of these things were huge traumas for the Navajo. With California natives, there were the missions, uh, the gold rush and other things that I'm sure I'm not even aware of that were big traumas for California natives. Anyway, so what happened is to those ancestors, for instance, that were in the missions or are on the long walk for the Navajo, those that survived often swore they would never talk about the bad things that had happened. And so they came back, the Navajo came back from the long walk. They were just like people who were coming back from huge wars. They had shut down their feelings. They were totally numbed out. Uh, They didn't sleep well at night. They were depressed, anxious, you know, probably had lost their motivation. And so this is how they then started trying to raise their families in this situation, this state of mind doesn't go very well. And so historical trauma uh, relates to these traumas in the past that have been passed down from one generation to the other, to the other, to the other. And so with most native populations in the United States, they are still suffering from the traumas of the past. So they still have a huge epidemic proportions of depression, of diabetes and other illnesses, suicide, domestic violence, anxiety, and substance abuse. Because the way they have learned to deal with their problems and uh, is to drink alcohol and use drugs. This is self-medication. So that hopefully is a little description of what historical trauma is. Thank you. In your book, Flying Horse, there's a lot of stories within that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, uh, we don't, the state, the, this program here is so long and we don't have the luxury to tell all those stories. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a story that exemplifies this historical trauma? 
Well, I'd like to tell a story that exemplifies the healing of it, if, if or the beginning of healing, if that's okay. So, and this is my own personal story that I was involved with. In, in 2014, when I was not living on the Navajo Nation, but I was working with it, doing telepsychiatry, and every three or four months, I would go back to the community and visit. Well, our little community uh, that year had about six homicides, um, and it's a little bitty community. And the last, the last homicide was the daughter of an 18-year-old daughter who was killed by the man she was babysitting for, and her mom was someone that worked at the clinic that everyone knew and we had known for many years, and so we decided that um, a few of us decided we needed to try to work on helping this community heal because things were going very, very badly. And so we called for a community meeting and maybe about 30, 40 people showed up from the community and I was the one who called the meeting. And so I gave a talk on historical trauma, realizing that Probably a lot of people hadn't really heard about it yet. And, and I related it to the recent murders that were ha happening, the domestic violence and murders, and, and just kind of talked about it. I usually get a little anxious in those meetings, so I talk and talk and talk. And finally, I stopped. And different community members, you know, the Navajo began to speak up. And at, at the very end of the meeting, a, a lady stood up and she hadn't said anything beforehand. Her son had just been killed five weeks prior. He had been coming home to his mom's house at five in the morning and he got shot on his mother's doorstep. And so his mother was at this meeting and she stood up and she, she said, you know, for the last five or six weeks since my son died, I've been thinking over and over and over, what could I have done to prevent his death? And, and it's been very hard, and I haven't spoken to anyone about it. And she said, now I realize that you're my brothers, and you're my sisters, and I'm not alone. And she felt better. And so to me, that was quite a lovely beginning for healing in our community. Donna, in your book, Flying Horse, you talk about how the Diné people translated historical trauma as soul wound. Talk about that for us. Oh, okay. Actually, that didn't come from the Diné, but um, so there is a Native American psychologist, Dr. Eduardo Duran, and he has been doing historical trauma work for probably now 40 some years. And long ago, probably 35 years ago or 40 years ago, when he was an intern, he went, he went to work at the Mono Lake area, and he was told that he needed to figure out, he needed to survey the community and find out what the problem was. Why was there so much domestic violence and substance abuse and depression? So he had to figure it out by asking the community member questions. So he sent out this typical psychology, young psychologist sort of survey, and some of the one of the, some of the native elders um, wrote back 
at the bottom of the survey, it's none of these, none of this caused the problem. It's the soul wound. So that's where Dr. Duran first heard about the soul wound. So these native elders in the Mono Lake area, they knew what it was. They knew, you know, they knew kind of in their heart what, what was causing the problem. And they told him. Now, other tribes, other areas may have come up with the same same term, but that's where I learned it was from Dr. Duran. Now, what does that mean? The soul wound? Yes. Well, it means that something, someone has something or someone has hurt you so bad that it's it's hurt your heart and your soul and it's it's changed you. It makes it difficult for you maybe to function or to feel good. So I use it interchangeably with historical trauma it, it, or intergenerational trauma. To me, it's all the same thing. Some people call it uh, intergenerational grief or historical grief, but it's, it's all the same. It's all the soul wound as far as I'm concerned. When talking about this healing or talking about this historical trauma, it's healing is a the remedy for a historical trauma. Is that not correct? Tell me, ask me that again. What? Healing is the remedy for oh, historical right. trauma. Is that correct? And if so, right. how does it manifest? Yes, healing is the remedy. And the tricky part, just to put this out there, is that Many people feel, maybe many Native people feel that not only the Native person has to heal, but the perpetrator has to heal as well. So that's one big deal, which means to me that the, the perpetrator, the dominant society, us white people, because I certainly am not Native American, we also need to heal. And so what it looks like, in just very simple terms to me, is that people have to understand the concept. You know, a lot of, for instance, a lot of Native people may feel like they're defective Natives because all this stuff, you know, their life isn't going well. Actually, Dr. Eduardo Duran asked a little five-year-old Native boy years ago, why do Indians drink? And this little five-year-old boy said, because they're Indians. So, you know, there's this sort of ingrained thing for not all Native people, but for many people that makes them feel like they're not good. They're not good enough. And, and certainly, you know, that's what they were taught in boarding school. And that is what they've been led to believe through how the government has treated them and various religions. But so back to the story of idea of healing Understanding the problem is very important. So understanding what historical trauma is. Secondly, you have to know the history of the people you're dealing with. So many Native people, um, for instance, in California, where their tribes were ripped apart, they don't know their own history. They don't know their language. It's not their fault, but it's because of what's happened to them. And so, so many people, may, many Native people maybe don't know their own stories of the past and how the past affected them. That's really, really important for, you know, to look at those. And it's, it's certainly not pleasant. It's not easy. And a lot of people don't want to listen, don't want to look at those stories. On the, by the same token, for non-Native people, 
that one of the first steps in healing is for us to hear those stories and to learn the history. And again, that's a very hard, hard thing to do. Personally, I have been, ha I've had the luxury of learning about Native history over the span of like 25 years or so. Initially, I heard a lot of different things, which I didn't believe because they were too horrible to believe. And then later on, you come to find out, oh, that was true. Kids really were taken at gunpoint to the schools and the Navajo reservation. Oh, yeah. Kids really were used as bear bait in California. I mean, what a horrible thing. So it's hard for us non-natives to hear stories like that, and it's easy to dismiss them. So the whole healing process, it is a process. It takes a long time. It, you know, but learning the history and learning what historical trauma, what that means and how it applies to people today, that's really a good first step. You're listening to the America Indian Airways Santa Barbara edition. We're speaking with Dr. Schindler, MD, about historical trauma, the stories of healing the soul wound here on KZAA LP 96.5 FM on your dial. So let's go back to the interview conducted by Marcus Lopez, yours truly, with Dr. Donna Schindler, MD, talking about historical trauma. It's interesting, especially within your book, which, which um, you talked about, which is titled Flying Horse. You talk about not only your experiences in a personal sense, and people are going to have to re read the book in order to get the book and read the book in order, to, in order to look at what the real picture is, your own story, your own journey, as well as some really phenomenal stories and heart-wrenching stories of the native individuals that you have shared within the book what you brought I, I thought in your book and your conversation right now because this discussion about certain political parties talking about healing but when the predator talks about healing is differently when the victim talks about healing when people talk about healing in the political sense for their own political agenda they're not talking about how native people or like you would point out and many other people like Dr. Duran points out and many, many other really good native people that are talking about this subject matter that the Anglo-American population and you said that part of the healing process, part of that is non-native people to hear the stories, number one. That's why I thought uh, is really interesting with murder Murder State by Lindsay and uh, the other book, uh, American Genocide, the California Catastrophe by Benjamin Medley. Those are recent book that comes out and tells a story and that in turn, the Anglo-American population might not understand it. Number one, they're not taught that history. Number two, the sense of, of dominant society privilege, the sense of white privilege and, and the sense of how does that fit into the realm of things in the sense of because we're talking we're looking at now especially when the vaccine comes out especially people talking about the vaccine especially talking about the president biden talk about sovereignty and about new healthcare system uh new leader within the interior department a native a woman that talks about how we're going to challenge the whole notion of our 
of our quote unquote uh, materials on the ground and our relationship with the native tribes as far as consultation and all that. How does this this privilege manifest into no, number one, the notion of healing for the Anglo-American community? And number two, how is it manifested in your vantage point? Well, you know, I, I think that many of us um, non-native people don't realize we even have a white privilege. You know, I, I have um, an older son who's in his thirties and, and uh, I think he kind of had a sharp learning curve at one point when he was living in Berkeley, California, and he was involved in different protests and stuff. And uh, his girlfriend was talking to him about white privilege and he didn't, you know, he's a good, a really good person. He was brought up by my husband and I knowing about historical trauma, but we didn't talk a lot about white privilege when he was growing up, you know? And so I think there's a lot of people who just don't even realize we have it. Of course I have it. Of course I do. You know, um, I'm a white doctor. Um, and so of course I have white privilege and some of the things there's racial bias too, you know? And so some of the stories I tell in this book have to do with, me figuring out, oh, geez, you know, uh, that was racial bias. You know, I didn't know I had it. It's not too much fun to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, why Why should, you know, one a person might wonder, why should I bother learning about Native history? Why do I care about their pain and suffering? What does it have to do with me? Well, um, <laughs> maybe it's a hard one. To, uh, people have asked me that before. You know, why is this relevant? And in fact, it took me, year, you know, decades to write this book. And, and I used to come back to the question all the time, why am I writing this? Why am I telling these stories? Who cares? You know, who's going to care? And, and I had to do it. You know, I had to write the stories because I had been told those stories, you know, and they were, I mean, by people I lived with and worked with and stuff. And I knew they counted on me to do something with them. And so, you know, if you're not in touch with Native people and you don't know how they're suffering, then of course, you know, your mind is not going to go to what can I do to help. Anyway, that probably doesn't answer the question at all. Um, I, I would like to mention um, the fiction. <laughs> One of, there was an article by Leonard Pitts and it was called in 2015, and it was called Erasing African-American History. And in it, um, he quotes James Baldwin and Tanahishi Coates. And they, he says they've called it the fiction of white American innocence. And another person he quoted said, it's like, you know, having a piece of paper with all the history written down on it and sending it through the Xerox machine over and over and over and over again until there's nothing there. So I, I have had the honor and the privilege of working with Native people for a long, long time and hearing their stories. And I can't not do this work. You know, it's like I have to. And so, um, but, you know, other people may not be so interested. Probably doesn't answer the question. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, well, yeah, segments of it. And it's a, a big subject matter. I just wanted to put it out to you. The One of the other things, too, especially American society, it's split and this last election, and there's a lot of just mistruths. And you're talking, and it's interesting when you talk about white 
American innocence, and I think that it's not only white American innocence, is everybody's innocence as far as understanding the history, the labor movement, the gender movement, women's movement, the people, you know, the Mexican-American, the Chicano experience, and then the all the different 500 and so on tribes that had treaties that never been honored. And those every treaties has been made is because of the fact that American government was defeated. And so they had to sit down and make a treaty. And mm-hmm. then as soon as they make a treaty, the predator lied with deceit and went on 180 degrees and not implement the treaty. So that's our history. No one wants to talk about that history because if we're going to heal, this is, this is, I want to make the statement and I want your feedback from that. If we want to heal within this country, we have to go back to the origins of what the major invasion like King Philip's war and the first contact with the, uh, with the, Eastern indigenous population, as well as the Caribbean and the so-called Mexican Gulf population within the Southern United States. And along with the West Coast, the first contact people, and go, from there, the story starts. Yeah. You know, and, and, and within that, we're not doing that. Talk about that. Um, what is your view? Do we have, do we have to start, go back <laughs> to that level? And within that, is it a complicated story or else can we, is it something achievable? Well, you know, what comes to mind when you're talking about that, Marcus, is um, maybe 10 years ago or so, the place, the community on the Navajo reservation where I was working, the teachers wanted to do a dream workshop, the Navajo teachers. And so they invited Dr. Duran to go to, you know, uh, facilitate this dream workshop. And I went to it. And uh, it was really great. And it got, you know, it was sort of like a support group in the end where people were telling their stories of their personal pain and suffering and this sort of thing. At the end, at the end of the meeting, there was one white young man teacher and he came up to, and I was the other white person in the room. And he, this young guy came up to me at the end of the meeting and he said, you know, um, I wanted to say that bad things happened in Europe too, you know, bad things happen to people in Europe too. And there was a lot of suffering there and bad things. But I was afraid that if I said that in this room of Navajo that, you know, they get pretty mad at me. But I think you're right. I mean, there, the whole, all of history could be examined. And, you know, when that, when that young man said that to me, I started trying to learn some European history and, then I went to Europe and I saw the, um, there were, you know, a museum that had the articles of destruction, you know, the horrible torture things that they used on people in Europe. And I thought, huh, well, no wonder when people came to America, you know, to Turtle Island, no wonder, you know, they were able to torture the native people. And it was no big deal because it had been done to them. So that's lateral oppression. I think it's useful. It would be useful to look at the big picture of a big picture of history with with historical trauma in mind. And one of the really big parts of of historical trauma is lateral oppression, which means hurting people the way you've been hurt. And so, a lot of domestic violence um, relates to that, and other parts of the history too. Um, so, anyway. 
yes, I think it would be very useful. And, and I will say for myself, even though I had lived and worked with Native people for quite a few years, probably around 2012, I was working at a clinic, at Native clinic in Northern California, and uh, we were leading a historical trauma group, and my co-leader leaned over to me one day and said, Donna, you know, um, they treated the Indians like slaves in the missions. And even though I had had a lot of exposure, you know, to Native history, I didn't know that. And I had to go looking for it. And, I, you know, you have to find the right book to find it. And, you know, and all the bad things that happened. I mean, so so many people, I have a quote somewhere that talks about, you know, the enormous amount of Native Americans in California in the 1800s that were sold, like 4,000 little kids were sold, and you can find out how much they charged, you know, and most of us actually living in California, I think, don't know that history. So I tend to think not so globally as you do, Marcus, but, you know, and the smaller framework, like in California, we don't know the history. We don't know what happened in the missions. One day, um, a few years ago, I was in the mission in San Diego, and it was only myself, and there was one other man, and we were looking in, you know, part of the museum, and I finally couldn't stand it anymore, and I walked up to this guy, and I said, you know, they didn't treat the Native Americans very well in the missions, and he said to me, yeah, they, they got angry because they made them wear shoes. And he, he wasn't joking. You know, the sad part was, I think he really believed that. So that's the level of not knowing about the history that we're at. You brought up a question of slavery. And obviously, there's a, great, there's a big link between the first people of this land and African slaves that came across and the, the interaction with the slave system. And also the very parallels with the mission system that we don't look at. And many Afro-American people don't know about California history and vice versa. And that's what this, this question of healing is that it's not it's a process, like you said before. Now, in ending within all this, I'd like to ask you, what does this all mean to us today? Well, what I'll tell you what it means to me. It means that a lot of Many, many, many Native people are hurting a lot, and uh, some know why they're hurting. You know, some relate it to the past and some don't. And most of us non-Native people don't even have a clue and don't know that there's a lot of discrimination against Native people going on still in many different ways. And so, um, yeah, to me, it means that the people that I work with um, are still hurting and there still needs to be healing that happen, that could happen. And uh, a lot of, um, and the way to do it would be to begin with telling the truth and telling the truth about the history and listening to each other and processing the feelings. You know, like I said earlier, it's not easy for non-Native people to hear the truth. Really not easy. How are we supposed to make it up to Native people? You know, should we give them all the land back? What are we supposed to do? You know, give them a lot of money? Or how do you how do you make reparation? It's a really big issue. But what I have been told, told is that there are blood memories in this land, you know, in many places in this land. And, and 
how do we expect for our country to go forward in the world and to do good things when we're hiding our basic truth? We're speaking with Dr. Donna Schindler in reference to this quest of healing, historical trauma, this wounded soul, and she identifies that in her book, Flying Horse, Stories of Healing the Soul Wound, and also many other political ramifications of the predator, who that is, the victims of who they are, and, or I should say, not only the Native people, but the non-Native that has to heal equally. And so, Donna, thank you very much for joining us here on the American Indian Airways. Thank you, Marcus. My pleasure. You tuned in to the American Indian Airways Santa Barbara edition here on KZAA LP 96.5, Santa Barbara, California, based in La Casa de la Raza. The discussion talked about historical trauma and significance of the discussion with the rest of society that outlines the need to address this question. We interviewed Dr. Donna Schindler, MD, the author of Flying Horse, Stories of Healing, The Soul Wound, and this exclusive interview. I hope you liked the interview. And now we'll go back to our program of certain songs that I thought were relevant, and then we will discuss those songs slightly, and then talking about and thinking about those themes and those statements that Dr. Schindler talked about here on the American Indian Airways.
See ya.
Silence is over. We would like to thank you for listening to the American Indian Airways Santa Barbara edition. We'd like to thank Donald, Dr. Donald Schindler, MD, for our discussion. Also, a musical guest, Robbie Robinson in the Red Ensemble, Skinwalker, Exit, Christopher Columbus, and Willela, The Gathering of Eagles, and The Bright Morning Stars. And we'd like to thank you, our listeners, from the American Indian Airways Collective, Larry Smith, Fabiano Hirsch-Dubin, and your host for this hour, Marcus Lopez. Why your freedom manifests on their graves And the blood never comes clean from the guilty minds Nor the hands that hold the chains is over.